Hello, it's the June DCM podcast. My name is Tom, and this month I'm joined by DCM's head of client, Michael Bensley. Hi, Michael. How are you? Hi, Tom. I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm really well too, thanks. I'm, I'm glad it's summer. Summer's here. It is here. It's very much here. I know we're in a quite a cold room right now, but I'm looking forward to going, catching up with some of the rays this afternoon. Working on our tans. Before we get onto our chat, let's chat about what's happening in cinema at the moment. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is the big news. It's been in cinema for over three weeks and has already delivered over 2 million DCM admissions. Now, the first film finished its run with 1.3 million admissions, so this looks like it could get close to doubling the total of the first film. In terms of TVRs, it's already delivered 7 1634 male TVRs. That number's only going to go up over the next few weeks, and you would imagine this film will run and run into the school holidays. The Little Mermaid has been out for over a month, and in that time has delivered 2.2 million DCM admissions. Early film monitor data suggests that the film has delivered 10 1634 women TVRs. And you would imagine that this film will run and run throughout the school holidays, which kick off, I think, in four weeks' time. I don't know. I think that's when they kick off. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is still going strong and is now over 3.1 million DCM admissions, which equates to 10 1634 adults TVRs. It's been holding up really well week to week, which probably means that word of mouth on this title has been good. And you can imagine it adding another one to 200,000 admissions before it's finished. If you've been looking to reach a more premium ABC One audience, then Wes Anderson's Asteroid City opened on Friday and looks like being his best performing live action film since the Grand Budapest Hotel, which was all the way back in 2014. Coming up in the next month or so, we have Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny in cinemas now, which I'm very excited about. I'm going to see it this weekend. Pixar's Elemental on the 7th of July. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 on Monday the 10th of July, which should be one of the biggest films of the summer and one of the best action films of the year. Then it's the big showdown on the 21st of July. as both Barbie and Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer open on the same day. Who's going to be the winner? I don't know. But whatever happens, cinema is the real winner. Michael, which one of those two films will you see first? Well, I've, I've seen Barbie Heimer trending quite heavily on the social at the moment. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm keen to see both, actually. Like, um, I know my son will be really excited about seeing Barbie, but looking at the sort of synopsis, it, it looks like it will sort of transcend a lot of, um, a lot of audiences. So I think there's probably something there for everyone. It looks really, really funny. The last film released in July is the new animated Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem, which looks incredibly charming, and the makers look to have gone the Spider-Verse route, and the animation looks innovative and colourful and different and really creative, and I can't wait to see it. So, Michael, you've been head of client at DCM for now for two weeks shy of a year. Has it been? Oh, is that what it is? Great. That's uh, exciting. How's it been for you? Um, yeah, it's been incredible, actually. I've loved it. I've loved it here um, since the day I started, actually. I'm a massive fan of cinema. Um, I've always been a massive champion of cinema as a media channel and the role it can play um, within not just the AV mix, but the, the wider media mix. But yeah, you know, the, the, the team, I, I was told in advance of joining here that it's a great place to work and everyone's super lovely. Um, that's that's very true of yourself, Tom. Thank you very much. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, it's been great. It's been cracking the first 12 months. In those 12 months, what have been your highlights? So for me, the first one is definitely winning commercial team of the year. So I was, I was, I was sort of lucky enough to be one of the, one of the three um, people who presented our submission 
to uh, a, a room full of very scary faces. But, a lot uh, more scary than this, wasn't it? It was. Uh, this is de- this, this is weirdly scarier, actually. I don't know why. I don't know. Well, you've got such a kind face as well, Tom. So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but um, yeah, that for, that for, that for me was great because you know, obviously, cinemas had a, a, a tough time during COVID. Uh, and we bounced back really strong. We made significant changes to the way that we operate, uh, and it's just landed really well. And you know, what's abundantly clear is 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 advertisers, clients, agencies still love cinema. They still see the role for cinema. But there's a lot of work that we can continue to do to to make sure that the the love stays there. And we'll come on to that. So you've been at DCM just under a year. What were you doing prior to working at DCM? Uh, I was on the other side actually. I was in um, I was in planning. I was a commons planner for the last fifteen years um, before I moved over to what planners would consider the dark side. Um, but yeah, commons planner. Most recently, I was one of the planning leads over at Essence or across BT, BT Sport and EE. Uh, and prior to that, I was a PhD working uh, on the VW account. So when you moved to DCM, you uh, obviously had some knowledge of what it was like. Has there been Anything that surprised you? What's really interesting? Uh, yeah, it's, it's a good question actually, because I, because I'm a massive champion of cinema, I, because I love cinema, I'm a massive champion of cinema. It was, it was once I could, once I sort of understood the role that cinema played, I was sort of bought in. You know, the challenge then is just to sort of demonstrate that to clients and make sure that they were on their journey with you. Um, there are a lot of clients who sort of there's sort of a fallacy that in order to invest in cinema you need to have pretty deep pockets um, or that's quite an indulgent channel to have in the mix Uh, so for that reason you know sometimes when budgets get cut the first channel to get booted is cinema Um, but actually you know we've got loads of sort of weapons in our arsenal that can prove and demonstrate the value um, that cinema can add to the media mix. And, and that's what we've been doing as a client team uh, for the last 12 months, not just to, to, to clients directly, but also to sort of senior comms planners as well, um, who, who who tend to be sort of more sort of savvy anyway, more receptive to the conversation. But, you know, there, there, there has been resistance uh, around cinema, but it's just sort of batting away some of those misconceptions. So has your opinion of cinema changed since you've been working here or... Do you think the proposition is different to what you thought it was? No, not really. Actually, yeah, no. Like, like I said, I I loved cinema, um, just sort of as as a, as a, as, a, as an event, and that's if anything, us that sort of uh, been amplified by the fact that we're sort of in and around films all day long. We're currently sat in a, a screen, screening room as well, so I'm, I'm immersed in it. But sort of as a channel as well. I think it, it's changed in so much as now I've got access to so much more research and case studies and metadata uh, and proof points that can really prove the effectiveness of cinema. And one of the challenges you have as a media planner and as a client is you're just spinning so many plates that you don't have the headroom to just think about every media channel in in, in, in complete depth. So, you know, it, it's quite easy to, to, to write off cinema um, because sometimes it might seem like the path of least resistance. Um, but what's what's great is there's so much love for cinema, as again, as a channel, but also as a media, as, as, as an event. So people are receptive to have these conversations and they're really quick to unpack and decode the value that cinema can have. So that's um, that's something that, that there's some resistance there that I didn't expect to see from early doors. Um, but the good news is that resistance, you can sort of break down quite quickly. Yeah, I guess that's part of the challenge, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. One of the things you had to do when you started DCM was assemble a team. 
Yeah, yeah, know, absolutely. Sort of like Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible, go and find the best yeah. people. Or, uh, <laughs> yeah. and Topical, very good. Thanks. Well, come on to that. T- tell us a little <laughs> bit about your team and how you went about assembling them. Yeah, absolutely. So I, um, so we're a team of four, myself and three incredible BDs. I was gifted the wonderful um, Amir John uh, when I joined. He was with the sales team previously, uh, but he's been great just to sort of get us all up to speed on the industry and sort of the ways of working and, and, and all that sort of jazz. But I suppose what I wanted as part of the team was what I'd recognise is we've got a business full of incredible salespeople and people that can go out and, you know, um, convert that interest into uh, getting brands on the on, on the screen. What the what I want the client team to look like is is one that's a little bit more strategic and be able to identify what client challenges are uh, and um, look at it slightly more holistically and find a role for cinema based on what their objectives uh, and challenges may be. Um, and for that reason, I wanted to you know senior um, comms planners. So managed to snare both Sophie Gale Evans and Amy Cloak from OMD. So I'm, I'm sure the guys at OMD are, are still fuming. They hate you. They've, they've, <laughs> create, they've created a, a doll of you that they're yeah. sticking needles in. I, I hope that's not the case. Um, but I get. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised because they're both incredible. And, um, you know, they, they're, they're both massive cinema fans. They don't need to be in order to do this job, but they are, which is great. So, you know, they, 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 they do drink the Kool-Aid. But they not only understand the role of cinema what it can deliver within the media mix, but they understand the wider media mix as well. So it's not just a case of saying you should do cinema, but it's what are you trying to achieve? What are your current challenges? What does a year ahead look like and how can cinema elevate that? So let's talk a little bit more about that team. So you've got four of you. Does each one of you focus on a different part of the industry or different um, sectors? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what we do, yeah. So there are sort of 10 of the biggest um, categories that advertise across cinema and ultimately across, I suppose, or, you know, um, the wider media landscape. Uh, and we've sort of allocated it based on people's experience um, across their career. So as I mentioned, I, I, I most recently worked on VW and BT and EE. So, so I lead across automotive and telecoms. Um, similarly, uh, Amy used to work on Bosch. So one of her sectors is um, tech. Uh, Amy used to work across Lidl, and one of hers is sort of FMCG and retail. So that's sort of how we've apportioned it as it stands, and it's working really well. Was there any fighting over categories? There, wa- there wasn't. Everybody was super kind to start with, but uh, you know we're only a year in, so it could all kick off. There's still time for that. As we said, it's been 50 weeks. Yes. What would you like to be doing more of that you're not currently doing? 50, I'm, I'm looking forward to the present you get me on my, on my 52nd week, actually, Tom, I'm sure. I'm away that week. Are you? Yeah, I, I am like actually that. away that week. Uh, well, you, that gives you an extra week to save up for my, yeah. for my present, I suspect. So I'd, I would love to be doing more um, work with our chums over at DCM Studios, um, which is our partnerships arm. So we're our already creative working, team, yeah. Our creative team, exactly. Headed up by the wonderful Jeremy Colesar, who is a creative titan. And I won't say that to his face because Tom, as you know, he's got a massive head already. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we've been working really closely with those guys anyway because, as you know, three of the, three of our team are ex-planners. So, so creating partnership briefs and then subsequently reviewing, critiquing them and then sort of supercharging them and activating them has been sort of part of our day-to-day throughout our careers. And it's definitely something that I love doing. But most importantly, we do some of the most incredible 
partnership campaigns, I think, across the industry. Some real award-winning stuff, some of the work we've done with the likes of KFC and BT and VW over the years has just been immense. And we'd love to do more of it. Um, so I think we've got the resources to continue doing great work in that space and, and, and you know, really want to be part of that journey. And it's a re- really good opportunity now to mention the DCM Awards. So the DCM Awards take place in September and they celebrate the very best work that's been shown on the big screen for in the prior year. The deadline for awards entries is the middle of July. So if anyone listening has been involved in any work that they think is awards worthy, go to the DCM website and check out the awards page and submit your work. It's a really great event, isn't it, Michael? It's a cracking event, yeah. Lots of fun, really inspiring, showcasing some of the best work over the last 12 months. So it's the almost the end of year one. Looking ahead, what does year two look like in the client team? More of the same, <laughs> which feels like quite a reductive answer, but not exclusively. But, um, you know, we've, we've had a really solid year. We, you know, the introduction of the client team has been really well received across the business from the, the feedback we've been receiving from the feedback we've received internally, but also from clients and the, and the value we've been adding. But we don't want to rest on our laurels and there's so much more we can be doing. Something we're doing at the moment is building an AV maximizer tool that planners and clients can use to really quickly and effectively calculate the most efficient mix of ratings of investment um, they should deliver to maximize their coverage and frequency across TV, BVOD and cinema. We're working with the IPA on this, which is um, really exciting, and it pulls in data from their side as well as live data from our cinema slate and the estimated missions that you furnish us with, Tom. Um, and you can plug in your TV and AV CPTs to make sure the calculations and the output is really robust. So we're really excited about this as a tool to showcase how cinema is an effective channel to drive incremental coverage and frequency across your AV mix, especially across our heartland of um, 16 to 34-year-olds. It's currently a work in progress, but we're really looking forward to giving a more detailed update at uh, our DCM Upfronts next month. So watch this space. Good segue. So DCM Upfronts takes place on the morning of Thursday, the 6th of July. It's at Odeon Leicester Square in the big screen one there, one of the most famous screens in London. We've got a whole range of exciting speakers, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, looking forward to it. It's going to be a really fun day. Lots to to learn um, and just, just fun and creative and immersive. So we've got Neil Marshall from Warner Brothers who's going to talk us through the exciting Warner Brothers slate, which coming up includes Barbie, Dune Part 2, Wonka, the Meg, the Two, the Trench, which is clearly the biggest of all of those. Uh, we've also got Matthew Hook, who's been doing a lot of work with us. He's a consultant to the media industry. Um, it's going to talk about some of the things you've been speaking about, and then it's going to all be finished off with a big slate update from yours truly. I cannot wait, mate. Good. Let's talk about the slate. You're obviously a big cinema fan. We've, we've covered that. What have been your favourite films of the year to date? Guardians of the Galaxy was incredible. So um, the first one was my was definitely one of my favourites across the MCU. But the third one was smashed it. There was You think it's better moments. than the first one? I think it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I, was, I know a few people think that, yeah. Yeah, I was, I was, I was holding back the tears on multiple occasions. Okay, and <laughs> any other films you've really enjoyed this year? Uh, loved Mario, actually. I didn't think I would, but um, there was so much buzz about it. And I really loved the game, and I loved all this, the Easter eggs in it my son's five years old and he loved it as well so it was a great film the animation is incredible and it's done over five million dcm admissions it's done obscene amounts actually but i get it because it's 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 amazing i think at the time of 
publishing, it might be the fourth biggest animated film of all time in UK history. Which is really? remarkable, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, um, that's amazing. So I actually went to watch um, The Little Mermaid at the DCM Film Club um, last weekend, which was a really great event, really good turnout from clients and agency people. It was, uh, you had face painters there and balloon animals and um, like colouring stations and toys and sweets and fun. But I took my five-year-old Marley with me and he absolutely loved it. So um, that was great. Great to have our film, cl- film clubs back. Um, and the film was really good as well, actually, better than I thought it'd be. Are you a fan of the original? I, do you know, I am actually a fan of the original, but only since I had the kids and we listened to the audiobook on long drives. And um, Who reads the audiobook? Uh, I don't know, actually. Not a famous voice. So it's not like Vincent Price or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's not Stephen Fry. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, <laughs> it could be you, actually. It could be I, your, I'm, your, I'm up for it. Your Disney, dulcet tones. If you're I'd, listening, I'd be, I'm up for it. I would listen to all of them. But um, yeah, Halle, Halle Bailey's voice was was incredible and she smashed it. And um, Ursula is genuinely scary, like hauntingly so. You know, the bit where she, well, no spoilers, but she, she's, well, she gets massive, doesn't she, in yeah. the scene and just behaves quite crazily. Well, the next one of those classic Disney animations that's getting the big screen live action treatment is Snow White in March next year with Rachel Zegler as yeah, Snow yeah, White. Yeah. So that one's going to be quite interesting to see how they do that and see what they do with that. But I liked Rachel Zegler a lot in West Side Story. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of love for her at the moment. Isn't yep. It? What films are you looking forward to between now and the end of the year or beyond? Um, Mission Impossible 7. Dead Reckoning Part 1. Part 1 of 2. Um, yeah, do you know, everyone loves Tom Cruise again. Um, and They just, say everything's cyc- cyclical. Cyc- cyclical, don't cyclical, they? Cyclical, they do And also... That. This is a f- series that is, gets better, I think. Every single, yeah. The last one was was nuts, and they just did keep getting better. And there's still a lot of credit in the bank from Top Gun as well, so I think everyone's yeah, a bit like... Yeah, and the, the, the footage we've seen of Tom Cruise doing crazy things, bearing in mind he's 60, like he drove a motorcycle off a cliff six times or something in Norway, didn't he? And then yeah. parachuted down to safety. Didn't he like, do like a thousand test runs of it before he did yeah, it? Yeah, and then there was lots of footage of him on the top of a train going up and down Yorkshire fighting someone, which I think you can see clips of in the trailer. Uh, and he does all this for our entertainment. From Hollywood to Yorkshire, that's quite a... That's quite a <laughs> so it's Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. It's out in cinemas on Tuesday, strangely Tuesday, the 11th of July. What else are you looking forward to? Well, they're calling it Barbieheimer uh, on socials at the moment because they're dropping at the same time Barbie and Oppenheimer. Uh, love Christopher Nolan. Um, I love him in spite of the fact that even though I watch his films, I, I leave, you know, none the wiser, like Interstellar and Tenet. I think I pretend that I understood them. I actually, I end up watching like YouTube videos afterwards that sort of try and unpack what it all means. And then as soon as I watch it, I forget again. But I think with it being Oppenheimer and it being based on a true story, um, hopefully I might be able to follow it. But cinematically, it's, it is unbelievable. But there's been chat today in the media about how some of the film is in black and white and some is yeah, in colour. Yeah, yeah, and Some's objective, some's... Some subjective, subjective as well, which is... I mean, immediately it's going to confuse me, but yeah, I'm just... I mean, there's a good video essay recently about how Tenet... On, it's online about how Tenet is a vibes film. You just have to yeah, go yeah, along yeah. with it and experience it. And that's how I am with Christopher Nolan films. I don't need to understand them. I mean, there's a lot of films I don't understand, but it <laughs> do, that doesn't stop me from enjoying them. And I think Oppenheimer, Tenet, most Christopher Nolan films are that. Anything after Tenet? We should watch it together and pretend we, we got it together or just enjoy the fact we both didn't get it together. Yeah, exactly. Well, we, you know, and then just 
get it all wrong over, <laughs> yeah, yeah, over yeah. a beer afterwards. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm invested in that. Anything after the 21st of July? Uh, June 2. Massive fan of Denny Villeneuve. I think he's one of like the greatest auteurs of our, of our time. Uh, love the first one. I love his back catalogue. So I think this would be a good conclusion to the first one, which sort of left on a bit of a weird cliffhanger that I didn't quite understand. I do wonder if they wish they could have released it on June 2. Uh, I never thought about that. But that was but last, like last week. So, <laughs> But, um, I mean, as you say, Denny Villeneuve, a filmmaker who hasn't put a foot wrong. And yeah, it feels, he doesn't miss, does he? Yeah, Blade Runner 2049, rewatched it recently, brilliant. Sicario, Prisoners. Prisoners, uh, yeah, Arrival. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sicario's really underrated as well, yeah, I think, actually. Arrival. I can't wait for June Part 2. And as you said, the first one finished in a sl- tiny, slightly bit unsatisfactory way. This one, I think, is going to be the satisfactory conclusion that we're all desperate for. And it's going to be incredible on the big screen, isn't it? It's out on November the 3rd. And the first one did 2 million emissions. It's one of the most upmarket blockbusters we've had in cinemas for quite some time. I wouldn't be surprised to see this one do even better. Yeah, I think it's like an an IMAX-worthy like crowd-pleaser. And then after June Part 2, anything? Wonka? Are you looking forward to Wonka? Not especially, no. Okay, because I'm really looking forward to Wonka because I, <laughs> really? saw, I saw some footage from it. Well, do you know, actually, because it's directed by the chap who directed Paddington 1 and 2 and those are like British institutions, yeah, movies, who, aren't they? I, that, I feel like that's what Warner Brothers have to do on the TV spots. Just say, if you like Paddington 1 and 2, you're going to like Wonka because yeah, yeah, yeah. it's from the same filmmaker and I've seen some footage from Wonka and it does look very much like a Paddington film with Willy Wonka in the lead. Yeah, but I'd like Wonka to be quite dark because thematically it's all a bit... Upside down, isn't it? I don't want yeah. to be safe. Well, they, the thing is, we have that with the Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, which is one of the darkest kids' films there is. The Gene Wilder one, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 that is. But in Tim Burton's, his one was pretty well. Yeah, but that's Wonka. It's out on the 16th of... No, it's not. It's out on the 15th of December. Michael's not looking forward to it, but I am. <laughs> so that's it for the podcast this month. Thanks for joining me, Michael. Thank you for having me. I'll be back next month. I'm going to Cine Europe, which is in Barcelona, and I'll see loads of brand new film content that I probably won't be able to talk about, but I'll come back next month, record a podcast, just giving you the highlights of what I am actually allowed to talk about. So look forward to that. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.